Welcome to That's a Chunky. This is Kevin. Uh, Jared is unable to attend tonight as he's getting his ears pierced. Um, I'm very <laughs> lucky tonight to be joined by Richard Wharton, who uh, plays the amazing role of Ron Tuspler in the Claire's ear piercing sketch. Welcome. Hi, thank you very much. Well, well, thank you. I, I say this and um, we've had a lot of people on whose work I really admire in season two. I think I think this role was the hardest to pull off and I think you do it amazingly. I think it's just a treasure, uh, your character in this sketch. Well, thank you. It was really fun to do and I, I was really happy that I thought it was gonna be earlier on in the season, but to be the last little thing of the season and to hear me laughing at the credits was kind of fun. It's amazing. And if it makes you feel any better, I would say about half of the fans of the show definitely watched all six episodes the first night it came out. Um, <laughs> so it's time is all a uh, abstract thing these days in TV. Um, so I'm really curious before we get into some of the minutia of, of how this went down, I'm really curious to your reaction when you first read the sketch. I loved it. I, it, you know, um, I didn't uh, read it all broken up. And when I read it, it was all one piece, kind of like a big long monologue, um, which was uh, a fun little challenge. And it had it had a lot of ups and downs in it. It it made me laugh. It made me sad. I thought he was pitiful sometimes, and sometimes I was just all on his side. So it was really a great little piece to uh, to find and be able to do. Yeah, we find a common theme of the show is uh, Tim is able to write sketches that are both really funny and also elicit some other emotion in you. Um, yeah, I know I often watch it and uh, I think, uh, I don't wanna say too much in that I, I feel like I have a life like him, but I think I really connect with a lot of the stuff he's saying. And um, it's, uh, you know, obviously we, we were lucky to discuss the sketch. Uh, it wasn't me who said it last week. I think it was our, our friend of the show, Swayzine, to talk about how, you know, you can see the origins of how the sketch was written. And, and I'll throw the basics out and you can add whatever I'm missing. But, um, you know, when an eight-year-old goes to have her ears pierced, she's worried about the pain. She's worried about uh, the, the just the quick process and, um you know, who else gets their ears pierced, but uh, sometimes older men who are going through midlife crises. And right. uh, what are the things they're afraid of? Um, it's, I just think it's a brilliant premise um, that you were able to I, act I out. Love, I love seeing the little girl's reaction to the older guy too. It's kind of precious. Yeah. And do you, so I was watching that a lot and, and I, I think she's great. I, I think what they're trying to portray is that she was captivated by Ron? I, I think she she felt bad for him. Yeah. She was very sympathetic. <laughs> and and what's funny is you have the um the other man who's watching the video who um <laughs> is probably acting out because of his actual nervousness and fear. Um, oh yeah. He's you, yeah, and you seem to win him over by the end as well. Um which is which is really fascinating. Um, 
did did you uh it seems like almost everybody's on the show outside of a select few just audition for the the show is that how you got the role yes yes and, i just auditioned and, and that was it it was kind of a surprise to get it actually and did you just read for that one part yes yeah i um, think i might have read for them for something else a while ago but um but that's the that's the one i landed Okay, so it, it could have even been a season one sketch, perhaps. No, no, I think it was this was for season two, definitely. Oh, okay, and well, I might have read for something in season one. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah, prior for to that. Else. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would be super interested to know to know what that <laughs> was. Um, and you know, I'm I'm thinking about how the filming process went, and obviously you. Um, you know, they're sort of your scenes and, and the other girls from the training video. And then there's the reaction in the waiting room. Had you, you, I'm guessing when you recorded your parts, you hadn't seen any of the other footage. I saw nothing. No. And mine was recorded as if it was one long monologue. We just did front to back all one. Um, wow. I was in front of a green screen, so I didn't see a set or anything. Um, and we, it was directed, you know, by Alice Mathias. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we did it a number of times kind of straight through uh, with, you know, kind of playing it real. And then uh, Tim came in a little later and he uh, he asked for a couple of different versions and we kind of went wild and crazy with it a couple of times. And I think what you see in the final product is uh, a mix of cuts from different uh, from different versions. Very interesting. And do, was there anything that was significant in your mind that ended up being cut from the final product? No, no. Uh, except there was a little bit. Uh, there was a little bit of dialogue where he was talking about the Sybaris that he got for his wife. Yes. I think there's a little bit more elucidation on that. But um, rather than that, you pretty much see everything. And do you remember your reaction to the first time you saw the finished product? Uh, the first time I saw it was when you saw it. Yeah, that seems to yeah. be a common theme amongst among all the actors, which to me is just fascinating. Um, but I will say, if you want to feel uh, a little more powerful in the process, mo- I think most people we talk to have like a decent amount of their dialogue cut. Um, so it's really interesting uh, that a lot of it made it in for you. Um, I mean, I get it, um, but they definitely... You know, I remember the first time I watched the sketch having the feeling that it was longer than it actually is when I watched it tonight. Um, it's it's ve- everything on the show is very um, efficient in, in how it gets things through. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, have you have you ever made a jib jab in real life? No. <laughs> They're actually pretty funny. Um, yeah. I don't even think I've seen a jib jab. I have to. I should probably uh, check that out. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if they still exist, but it was just this premise. You kind of, if you may know this already, but uh, some of our listeners might not. We have a younger crowd, but um, you would put in static pictures of people, and they would animate them as like the heads on dancing people. Oh right, I did see some of those. Yes. Yeah, I mean it was like a two thousand one, two thousand two thing um, that was pretty funny. Um, I'm assuming, uh, have you got a lot of feedback from the sketch? 
You know, I've gotten some. Um, I've had a few people, you know, track me down on Instagram and stuff and, uh, you know, make some comments and stuff. It's really been fun. I had no idea when I did this just how popular the show is. Yeah. It's it's huge. It's, it's just a, amazing, the, the following that he has. Yeah, and it's very cult. Um, and this is something that uh, I think you're going to find – I think the average fan of the show will rewatch season two. Like, I, I don't think I'm uh, exaggerating like a hundred times. <laughs> um, and we, so we spent a ton of thought when we did our show for, you know, the season one episodes and um, there's definitely uh, sketches that have different trajectories. And a lot of the Tim stuff sort of has like a slow burn um, and I, I think your sketches, you know, there's some sketches that are just the humor is more towards the front, like closer to the skin. And I think mm -hmm. your sketch is going to be one that uh, in like, I mean, I, people already love it, but I think in a couple months, people are going to really be digesting it. Um, and I think if you ever walk by an accessory store in the mall, I think some people's brains are going to explode. <laughs> um, because yeah, it, I think this sketch is very distinctive in people's minds, especially you're right. I mean, the way the season ends with you laughing is really powerful. <laughs> it's just a great, great way to end things. Um, I just, I really love the character. I love, um, he's, they, they, it's really well written and, you know, as a, as just a piece of drama, it's really well written and it was really fun to do to work on and working with them was kind of like, uh, it's kind of like when we were doing it, um, they were throwing out different directions. It was almost like being in an acting class. They say, okay, now try it like this, now try it like this. And each time it, they brought out different, different parts of the humor and different parts of the kind of agony also. <laughs> you know, it, was really, uh, it was really fun to play with them as directors. Yeah, and and we find another common theme in our interviews, um, which is, I'm guessing, mostly true for you as well, is that um, the show deviates little from the script, um, and where it's so, like, uproariously funny, I think everyone expected that there's more, um, you know, more improv than there actually is. Um, right. Well, for mine, there wasn't a lot of improv in terms of the dialogue. The improv was in terms of the tact you took, the approach you took to it. So we did several different kind of, not improv, but takes on it. And um, so that's what they had to choose from when they were working. And and you can, I can tell that they took some from this part and some from mm -hmm. this part, and they put it all together and kind of fleshed out my character even more than I had done. Can you remember, like, when you see those parts, can you remember what those unique instructions were? I think people might find that interesting if you remember. Well, I think uh, some of it was heightened. Mm -hmm. um, like, you know, do it like he's really crazy or do it like he's really mad. Um, do it like this is the worst thing in the world that ever happened to him. Some of these things. Uh along those lines they were like finding extremes a little bit and well, um oh yeah sorry yeah, no go ahead uh yeah i mean one of 
we also see a lot of common themes in the show and one is just like the absurdity of language um and it's really funny that he gets to slip an f word into this uh <laughs> claire's video um and it's very like um i guess the best way to describe it is it's very natural and it's it's said at a reasonable time uh it's just really funny to like you could tell that it doesn't seem that the writer is leave a lot to accident and just the concept that one it would happen and that the Claire's the people who edit the Claire's video would leave it in is just very absurdly funny (laughs) (laughs) um we have a uh we a lot of times we try to break down why is the show as well liked as it is why is this show so successful for Tim where he wasn't uh, maybe as valued as Saturday Night Live? You know, he was there for a year, I believe. Um, and one of the things we really uh, feel is that on Saturday Night Live, you sort of have to cast the people from the principal cast for your major roles. Um, I, I really think the biggest strength of the show is that they're able to cast somebody like you. And And I don't know if we've, You've watched all of season two, but like uh, the actor Biff Whiff, who plays Detective uh-huh. Crashmore, um, I just think it's a huge asset to the show that they can get anybody they want for these roles. Right, right. They they feature Tim a lot, but they have like I was just watching some tonight, and there's like whole episodes where he's not even in it. Yeah, and and you you can still feel his influence sometimes. But um, but it, they do do a good, great job of bringing in some really fun actors to work on these things. And had you watched any of season one when you auditioned? Uh, yes, I. Whenever I get an audition, I try and look at a, a, at the show to see what's what's going on before I you know tackle it. Um, so I had watched a few episodes, and I was like. I was mystified. I had no idea, like, what's going on here? It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. I think, um, yeah, there's definitely a different feel. Uh, Season one was very, uh, you know, we like to say the concept of season one was that um, somebody did something that was wrong or embarrassing. And instead of sort of like, taking the easy out they're provided. They just keep like doubling and tripling down. Um, Season two definitely has a, um, I don't know, there's more like, um, it's hard to explain. It seems like they're really trying to try new things in the world of comedy. Um, You know, there's one sketch uh, about a man who uh, acts in a sketch and the actor takes his lines, the Jamie Taco sketch. And, and that one's sort of both funny and um, sort of like sweet in a way. Um, I just watched that one. It's very sweet. Yeah. You know, he's like, I shouldn't have said that about my wife. <laughs> we joke know, on the show. Uh, I have a relationship like that with my wife. And I, I think it's a little bit of a joke that uh, my co-host has a relation like the magician in season one um <laughs> where where uh he can very easily get in trouble um so yeah that one speaks to me and then you have your sketch which is both hilarious and uh you know it, sometimes it feels almost like a like Michelle Gondry picture 
Um, <laughs> and uh, I just I just think it's a really special um, sketch. Um, I have to ask you, I think you were born and probably lived well into your adulthood in Chicago, Illinois. I did. I lived there, uh, well, the first 40 something years of my life. What, uh, Jared and I met at the university of Chicago. Oh, really? Um, you, were you, uh, what neighborhood, uh, did you populate? I, I lived by Wrigley field for about 15 years. I was a block from the bleachers. Wow. Yeah. And I wasn't really a baseball fan when I moved there, but of course, you come home and you hear the crowds. You got to turn on WGN and see what's happening. Pretty soon, you know, three hours later, you're like, "Oh, I should have cooked dinner." <laughs> it's a it's a fun time at the field. Um, yeah. Yeah, and and amazingly, the show has very strong Chicago roots. Obviously, Tim did much of his early comedy there, and a lot of his collaborators. Uh, and we're actually we constantly. Uh, speak to people who were cast that were from Chicago. And I, I don't know if Tim knows or if it's just the fact of the, like the same comedy sensibilities or the same acting sensibilities um, mm -hmm. connecting. I, I don't know. It's, I don't really know what the truth is there. Yeah. I can't, I can't tell you. I, I don't know if we even talked about it, but uh, yeah, Chicago. It's a great town. It's a great town for comedy and for and for theater in general. Yeah, I saw I was reading your bio and you had a lot of success in the Chicago uh, theater world. Um, can you tell us uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the play. Um, was it called Seduced? Um, Seduced. Oh, yeah. That's Sam Shepard. It was uh, I played Henry Hackamore, which is kind of like uh, Howard Hughes. And uh, the play is the character takes sits in a chair they for this it was a, like a barber's chair throughout the whole play in like underpants boxer shorts and that's it and he's he's paranoid of germs there's a guy there to take care of him and i had like for that play i had like these fake fingernails that were like you know an inch and a half long and toenails and the, my hair was long and my body was painted and it's a small theater so we didn't really have like a a shower facility or anything so after the play i'm like cleaning off in a in a kitchen what used to be a, a kitchen sink for a restaurant <laughs> and i'm like sitting in this thing like sponge bathing oh man <laughs> but the entire play i was in you know in that chair and it was uh it was awesome actually that play was awesome i really love that script yeah i'll have to check it out if i ever have the opportunity yeah um, it was it was funny because we had um I had been a member of this company and uh, that season I and another guy had taken over as co-artistic directors and that was the first play of the season. And by, by the end of its run, we're selling out and um, we're like, what do we do? What do we do? But we already had another play rehearsing. So we didn't, couldn't really keep it going. So we closed it and we had, we thought, Oh, well, we'll just sell out with the next one. <laughs> and of course <laughs> it didn't quite happen. So we like, you know, we learned our lesson there. Maybe we should think, have found a way to keep it going. I think maybe uh, if you did a revival right now, you could probably pack the crowd just with, I think you should leave fans. <laughs> um, yeah, well, let me know. I'll uh, I'll sell tickets for you. Um, All right. So one, one can't help but notice your uh, acting career 
is is amazing, but especially the amount of world-renowned television shows you've been on is um, staggering, uh, including one of my favorites of recent and maybe forever, uh, Silicon Valley. Um, I, I have to rewatch it to to it says you were uh, in a in a TV commercial for Pied Piper. Do you do you remember anything from that um, that job? You know, that was a, a weird one in that I just got a call. They said, go do this. And um, and there were a bunch of us and we all like were like it was supposed to be the end of the season. This little kind of uh, uh, I don't even know. We were all like we were Pied Piper employees and we were all very happy and we were giving like a testimonial. We all gave testimonials and um and it all became this big collage and it's kind of like a, a company portrait of these people who worked for Pied Piper. <laughs> and I don't even know if it ended up in the in, in the final episode. It was supposed to be, and I don't know if it actually ended up in part in it. I uh I didn't see it the first time I watched it, but I but I'm getting residuals for it, so it must be there somewhere. <laughs> that's that's great. I mean, I think that's what actually I don't know, someone who's an artist like you, I don't know which matters more hopefully it's both i I gotta i gotta look back i'll let you know uh i'll try to (laughs) dig it out i'll send you an email um do you have i mean you go down the list it's so many famous shows do you have any uh particular stories you remember from from shooting on any of these tv shows no pressure if you don't not really i mean i've worked with some on, on a lot of great shows with a lot of great actors and actresses. Um, uh, Mike and Molly, I was this, like, she was doing a book signing and I was like this kind of homeless looking guy holding one of her books and I came up to have her sign it. Well, uh, it didn't end up in the show, in the broadcast, this one bit, but it did for the live audience. They showed it to the live audience because we recorded it first and then it was shown to the live audience. Uh, that scene wasn't performed live for the live audience. And uh, and she said, what if he licked the book? <laughs> so, I, so I lick it and ask her to sign it. Um, it was hilarious. but um, And just so everyone knows, that's that's the hilarious Melissa McCarthy, um, McCarthy. who's the star oh of God, that show. One of the funniest people yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. It was... Uh, it was kind of a creepy moment, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I've done. Uh, I love. I love doing Girl Boss. Uh, I wish that had gone more. That was a great show. Uh, stories. I don't know. Well, I, I can say this. This this is actually a good time to segue. I, you were talking about licking the book when acting with Melissa McCarthy. I'm assuming you may have shot the I think you should leave sketch under some sort of COVID regulations. You know, it was right before COVID. Okay. It was, right before, it was like January or February of last year. Mm. Most of the season two, you know, we had... Um, they even had to do a lot of like minor rewrites of, I think we talked to um, somebody who was from the sketch last week with sloppy steaks. Um, and I think there was some, el- there was some element like they only cut the steaks and didn't eat them or something like that. Like 
all these sketches had like very minor tweaks because of COVID, which was really fascinating. Right. Yeah, I'm thinking about it now. I know it was January, February of this year, and yes, there was COVID regulations, but um, nothing really that that was too particular for me because I was working alone, right? Sure. I was, I was in I was in front of front of the camera and the directors and everybody were, you know, about 20 feet away. Um, you know, they gave me a mask and all that. And, uh, but no, nothing, nothing strange. Well, um, you have been amazing. I, I don't think I have many more questions, but I am uh, legitimately interested in uh, what's next for you, where we can see you in the next upcoming months. Uh, well, uh, I do have, a little bit in this uh, upcoming American crime story, Impeachment. Ooh. Um, so you'll have to watch that, check that out. But it's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, I believe that. And this is the uh, the Clinton impeachment? Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. that's going to be great. It'll be interesting to see what they do with it. Because, uh, you know, when you do something like that, I mean, I voted for Clinton. I like Clinton as a president. That whole mess was pretty messy. And I, I don't. It's. It'll be interesting to see how this goes. I was kind of reluctant. I was like, "Wow, I kind of liked him. Should I be in this or not?" You know. <laughs> but but, it, but the script, the parts that I wrote, seemed. They, I mean, it, they were, they were good, and uh, it didn't seem like it was. I can't tell where it's going from what I read because. When a lot of times when you get a script, you might only get your part. Sure. Um, so you don't really know where it's going, what the whole overall take is. But um, the part I read and the part the part I was in was interesting. The the cast is amazing. I'm seeing uh, Sarah Paulson, Judith Light, Beanie Feldstein, Clive Olton, uh, Clive Owen, sorry, Margot Martindale, Billy Eichner, Colby Smulders, Edie Falco. Taryn Killam, yeah. Colin Hanks, Mira Sorvino. That's amazing. But I don't know how many people could have made uh, made us laugh and cry in a sketch about ear piercings. So we'll be there to watch you. <laughs> um, and it, unless I'm mi um, missing anything, I, I want definitely want to um, give give the space for anything you remember from the sketch. Um, but you have definitely answered. Uh, the many questions I had for you tonight. You know that uh, the the only thing I can say about the sketch is it was a, really a joy to work on, and and the people there were all very kind and and um, and talented, and I was just honored to be there. Well, we are honored to have you here tonight. Uh, the sketch is uh, I'm not even joking when I say this, but um, I talked to my friends. There needs to be some new award for I mean maybe there is one and I'm missing for sketch comedy but um, your performance in this is so unique and amazing um, and we're really uh, amazed that you could come here tonight so thank you so thank much so Richard much. Wharton pleasure. my pleasure and have a great night That's a Chunky has always been supported by the Etsy shop of Swayzine S-W-A-Y-Z-I-N-E uh, in the past, you've seen his amazing motivational posters, his um, at the Nighthawks diner featuring characters from I Think You Should Leave 
Uh, you also know his vintage jazz posters of Paul Bufano, Marcus the Worm Hicks, and Mookie Kramer. Um, Swayzine has a ton of new items in his shop we wanted to let you guys know about. Um, those three jazz posters have been turned into uh, attractive t-shirts. The Marcus Hicks in blue, the Mookie Kramer in green, Paul Bufano in white. He has a uh, very affordable uh, Bozo the Clown Clown Pewter sticker that you can put on your computer. Um, there is a Baby of the Year bib and onesie. Uh, he has Angels and Archways t-shirts, um, as well as uh, two new posters, one featuring Dangerous Knights, um, which is being framed and put on my wall, and an amazing portrait of uh, Brian from the uh, hat sketch, the insider trading sketch. Um, but the whole point of me re-recording this ad was to tell you about maybe the most innovative, I think you should leave product I've seen in my time doing this podcast, which is actual Dan Flash's shirts. So this isn't like a t-shirt that says Dan Flash on the front. This is a short or uh, short sleeve polo or a long sleeve uh, collared shirt that has the pattern Tim Robinson is wearing in the Dan Flash's sketch, uh, affordably priced at $30. I know when I went um, to the Dan Flash's stores at the Creeks, I spent $800 out, out the door and um, didn't eat for a long time. Uh, saving my per diem. Um, but if you go to etsy.com slash shop slash Swayzine, again, Swayzine is S-W-A-Y-Z-I-N-E. Um, you can own these shirts yourself. Um, and we want to thank uh, Reggie from Swayzine for his support of That's a Chunky. Activated lights I don't want satellite radio I don't want extra cup holders All I want is a good steering wheel That doesn't fly up when I'm driving You have no good car ideas You have to marry your mother-in-law You have no good car ideas You have to marry your mother-in-law The bones are their money, 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 the b
their money, the bones are 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 their money.